my family moved to uh, Denver, Colorado in 1997, where I was the mostly music in the church and school that we had. And then uh, in the mid early 2000s, um, I built up a, a passion, an increasing passion for missions involvement, uh, got a degree in, in uh, missiology, and then became the, the missions pastor at Beth Eden uh, for about five years. And then in 2000, uh, let's see, I guess it was 2020, met up with Phil Hunt, who I'd known for quite a while and had actually visited in in Zambia, along with uh, a lot of other missions visits. And uh, he asked me to come in and transition from uh, the missions department from a man who had returned to the States to head up a, a mission agency and turn us, be able to turn the, the school missions department over to a Zambian pastor that over the course of two years, God graciously uh, facilitated that that finishing of discipleship and mentorship of Pastor Ken Bonda, who just, uh, I think last week or the week before, graduated with a master's degree from Central Seminary, came back over to the States, uh, did all that, that training online, but came back over to the States for graduation, along with three other men from CABU. So now the the missions department there at CABU is in the hands of a of an African national, which is the goal that that we've had for many years for that ministry for that particular part of that ministry. I think even perhaps you saw uh, Hector Garcia or heard Hector Garcia speak recently, and he's another lecturer there at at CABU. So my wife and I are back in the states. We've been back in the states since December, though I took a a trip back to teach a block class at the school and also to teach some continuing education theological education courses in Zambia. Um, we hope to return in November of this year for a month to do the same to do the same process. See guys that uh, been able to disciple and mentor for the past two years graduate, see these teachers visit these churches and pastors again that we've been given the privilege of of um, of developing strong friendships, deep relationships with theologically, spiritually. So that's a, a, a nutshell, I think, of, of the past two years or so of ministry for us. We love Zambia. I love the people of Zambia. We spent a lot of time in Africa, uh, South Africa, Zambia, Congo, mostly on trips. So this two years represents the longest time that we spent in one missions kind of location. But it's a huge blessing. Uh, for us, a great opportunity to train young men and women in the gospel. I wanted to, to speak this morning from the book of Psalms, which over the past, uh, I would say, probably seven years in my life has been a source of great comfort, um, a lot of challenge in the book of Psalms, but a lot of blessing in the book of Psalms as well. My My Bible reading, my daily Bible reading now is has entered into the Jeremiah Job phase. And uh, the Jeremiah Job phase of bi yearly Bible reading is, uh, is a challenging time. It's a time when we see two godly men, evidently godly men, who love the Lord, uh, are, are confident in God's sovereignty, 
yet still struggling with with uh, with trials and troubles that have come not only on them but also in Jeremiah's case especially on the people of God and the book of psalms uh, by some accounts is is about a third composed of lament psalms and i think lament psalms for a long time in the history of the church or at least a recent history of of evangelicalism has sort of been set aside perhaps in favor of the more triumphant psalms and yet those psalms um are are a key element in our worship our understanding of god's sovereignty our appreciation of god's sovereignty and work in our lives and um as as one writer put it they the lament psalms give us the language so that we can complain to god without complaining about god and that's critical that we're able in those times to pray in a biblical fashion that that fully acknowledges the the pain the hurt um the questioning that we're experiencing and yet as in job's case we're able to do so without sinning or charging god foolishly so those psalms have been a, a huge blessing to me and in learning a, a, about those psalms in a personal fashion it's also opened a lot of doors for ministry to others who are struggling and both of those are critically important in our walk our personal walk and then our ministerial or discipleship walk so i wanted to look at just two verses very quickly from the book of psalms first psalm chapter 88 and verse 7 psalm 88 verse 7 and i'll read from the king james that's uh, that's how i that's how i grew up and if i attempt to begin to recite or read in anything else i usually end up mixing uh, the two versions so psalm 88 verse 7 thy wrath lieth hard upon me and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves the psalmist says and there are times in our lives certainly times in the lives of those to whom we minister that that it feels like god's wrath is lying hard on them that they're overwhelmed or threatening to be overwhelmed with the waves of trouble that that are that are surrounding them and in the midst of of that kind of trouble we're often tempted to either turn somewhere else for relief or someone else for relief and these psalms which even in even in the lament psalms it seems we we want to be sure that we tell people yes there's lament there's sorrow there's questioning but but rest assured at the end of the psalm there's always there's always a return to god well that's actually not always the case in every lament psalm if we look more broadly that's certainly the case that the psalmist turns back to god in trust but sometimes the psalms end still with that same questioning spirit um a cry for help um the cry of how long will this continue so the psalmist here in psalm 88:7 speaks the truth that that god's wrath god's judgment is hard on him lying hard on him and that it's god who's afflicted them with these waves and we understand as as we look at god's sovereign care and control for the universe that 
while there may be many secondary causes for for trouble ultimately all that trouble flows through god's sovereign hands and so i look then at psalm chapter 79 and verse 8 and the psalmist says oh remember not against us former iniquities let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us for we are brought very low there's three three statements two requests and then one acknowledgement of of personal struggle and, and I want to deal with those in reverse order the last statement is an acknowledgement of of personal trouble for we are brought very low the psalmist says but in the acknowledgement of that lowness of that struggle the psalmist also makes two other statements about god so the second statement in verse 8 let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us that word prevent more of a king james english kind of word has nuances of of understanding but one of those is is to anticipate or to or or to proceed and there's a way to anticipate problems one of the important things about even the psalms of lament is that we we deeply understand them and internalize them even when we're not in deep troubles so that when we are in deep troubles those are thoughts that flood our mind along with all the other hurts and trials that are flooding our mind so there is a preventative operation of the lament psalms um, in the life of the church and the life of believers that we understand the language of those psalms to acknowledge the deepness of the hurt and to acknowledge that sooner or later those struggles are going to come our way job was able to not sin or charge God foolishly in in a depth of of suffering that I've never faced. Not because he all of a sudden decided to turn to God, but because he had trained himself to understand God's sovereignty, to live in God's sovereignty, even when times were good. So it's God's tender mercies that can go before us. God is not anticipating our problems. God understands our problems before they're there. Indeed, as the psalmist says, those problems ultimately come from God's hand uh, itself. And so it's the anticipation or the proceeding is our putting God's tender mercies, anticipating the reality of God's tender mercies ahead of even those things that are immediate in our life and in our context and then the first phrase of verse 8 says oh remember not against us former iniquities now there's two ways to understand that we can understand the psalmist speaking of the former iniquities of the children of israel those very sins as we would see in jeremiah that brought the nation to judgment at the hand of its enemies a, a perplexing issue indeed for the prophets or we can understand our former iniquities and i think both of those ways of understanding um, the result of sin and god's purifying work in our lives are important many of us 
face those kinds of issues in the life of our own country. We certainly see, I saw that in Zambia, I saw that in Congo, saw that in South Africa, all throughout Central Africa, as well as any other nation. We can see that when a nation turns away from God or refuses to acknowledge God in their national life, God's judgment will come. And so we are asking God to not remember those sins against us, to, to bring us to the place of repentance and asking for forgiveness in, a, in, a, in our national conscience. But we're also looking for God to do that in our lives personally. Remember not my former iniquities. Uh, I think it's Plummer, William Plummer, who has a massive commentary, uh, over a thousand pages, uh, that's both a commentary and a collection of commentaries. And, and uh, I, I read through that over the period of a year, about six or seven years ago. And one of the values of, of Plummer's commentary is that he gathers sort of what is the best of all the commentaries that he had available to him at that time on the Psalms. And all through my Bible, I have written quotations that are pulled from his collection of men's ruminations on the Psalms, especially the Psalms of Lament. And one of these writers says that, that the severity or the severity of our own trials, our own tribulations, should reveal to us the depth of our own sinfulness. And that perhaps the reason why we are undergoing so much suffering is because there's so much dross that must be purified. And those kinds of, of uh, that kind of focus on these Psalms of lament is one of the, one of the most important lessons we can learn personally. And one of the most important lessons I think we can teach uh, our people, those that we minister to, is that in times of anguish, we must turn to God in prayer. If we turn anywhere else, we're going to miss the very reason, the very core of the reason that God has allowed those sufferings in the first place. And so prayer, even corporate prayer in the life of the church, has to focus at some point on confession. Yes, we adore God for who he is, but we also confess our individual sins, our sins corporately as a church, our sins corporately as a nation. And yet we also turn to thanksgiving and supplication, knowing that God is a God of mercy. His tender mercies speedily anticipate even the problems that we face. And that even though he's brought us very low, he will bring us through. So we don't promise some kind of false hope or looking at the glasses as half full instead of half empty, uh, depending on where your personality is in those kinds of matters. We're not, we're not offering a, a fake cure or some kind of artificial ginned up hope. We're offering a, a faith and trust in the loving, tender mercies of God who goes before us, who goes with us through the trials and brings us out safely on the other side.